Hallelujah. Amen. Let's read our uh, psalm text, shall we? Let's read this together. Joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's a pretty weak hallelujah, folks. i got to be honest with you. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. All right, you can stand for the sermon now. <laughs> please be seated. You know, as, as I say, please be seated, relax, but don't get comfortable. All right? Don't get That's why there's pews in the church, right? Because you're not supposed to be comfortable. That's why we don't have big captain's chairs, although... I've petitioned, I don't know how many times to the church council, let's have captain's chairs here, you know, with the coffee cups right here. Let's make it nice for people. What do you think? So, so. No, we should be relaxed to hear the word, but we shouldn't be comfortable. We don't necessarily have to be sitting on the edge of the pew, but we should be alert, right? I mean, it's early in the morning, we are about as alert as we can be, I suppose, for 9 o'clock. But really, what makes us alert to hear the word is not whether we got eight hours of sleep last night or we feel good today. It's the fact that the spirit of the living Christ lives in you. You receive the word of God. You hear it. You listen to it. And the Holy Spirit receives it with you. You see, as we sang earlier, right before the gospel, Lord, make me a sanctuary, tried and true, holy. That's not something that we do. That's something that God is working in you right now. You are a sanctuary. You are a place where the third person of the Trinity resides, the Holy Spirit. That came to you in your baptism, and when you heard the word of faith, God called you, and his promise is, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, never will I forget you. You are a sanctuary, a place where the Spirit resides. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have the living Word of God with us. And it's something that we need to be reminded of continually. That's why... During the Lenten season, we have the devotion, the extra worship service on Wednesday. I failed to mention that. Error, right? Wednesday evening at 7.15 p.m., we have worship, but at 6 o'clock, we have a supper that is prepared by members of our congregation. Each and every single Wednesday at 6 o'clock and at 7.15, we have opportunities to engage in fellowship, a dinner at 6, worship at 7.15. It's time for the body of Christ to come together during this Lenten season. Well, always, but especially during Lent. Opportunity to embrace what God has done for us, not just singularly, individually, but collectively. as the body of Christ. So that we can cherish what God has provided for us in his word, but with the fellowship of other believers. This past week, we were studying in our confirmation class the living word of God. And we decided that God was teaching us, based on the word, 
that the word is alive, living and active, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It is creative right in the beginning of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. God created. How? By the power of his word. The word is creative. The word is living and the word is active. That's the thing about our Christian faith and trust in Christ. Is that God just doesn't bring us to faith through the waters of holy baptism. Oh, good, you're reborn Christians. God is not done with us. The word that he nestled in our hearts, the spirit of God who he gives to us, is living and active in our lives. That's a gift called the means of grace. The means of grace is the powerful word of God. The means of grace is the sacrament of holy baptism. The means of grace is the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's how God comes to us and communicates grace, forgiveness, reconciliation. The key foundation for our Christian faith is reconciliation with one another, but more importantly, reconciliation and peace with God himself. From that flows everything else in our Christian life. All comes from him. His desire for us to know him and to get close to him, to embrace his forgiveness and to share it with those around us. He is the hope of humanity. It's not just a hope, a wishful thinking. It's a hope that's centered in the blood of Jesus. The cross always looms over the Christian's life. Always we see the cross of Calvary before us. Whether it's to know that God forgives or that God saves or that God cares. Our text from Psalm 146, verse 5, Joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord our God. Our hope is based on what Jesus has accomplished for us. That is his gift, and that's what we celebrate, not just today in worship, but each and every single day of our lives. That we have an opportunity to live out our lives in joyful, hopeful confidence, regardless of the circumstances that swirl around us. It's the hope that is not dependent on circumstances that are up and down in our lives, or the fact that it is February and it's 55 degrees outside. I mean, who doesn't feel good about the fact that it's February and we can go outside in our shorts? That's pretty neat stuff. But, you know, later this week it might be 20. And it might sleep. And we might fall on the ice. Mandy. <laughs> Praise be to God that you're here. We are not feeling-based people, although sometimes we often gauge on how we go about our lives on how we feel at that given moment. We're human. But God gives us an objective fact. 
And he comes into our lives regardless of how we think we feel and soothes our conscience, lifts burdens, and grants us grace. Hope rests with our living God. In the uh, gospel today, we see the hope of the living God. And it is given, as Peter says in his epistle, which is just an outrageous, incredible revelation to people. We were eyewitnesses, the apostle Peter says, on that holy mountain. When Jesus was transfigured, transformed, when there was this metamorphosis, we were there. We saw it. These are not cleverly invented stories. I don't know about you, but I read this. I say it right now. I get chills on the back of my neck. That these words were preserved for us to read and read again and again. To remember what was seen and what was heard. Jesus asked Peter in chapter 16, Who do people say that I am? And he says, why, you're the Christ, the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for you have said something that was given to you by my Father in heaven. That was a confession. That was recognizing with his eyes and his heart that the one standing before him is the Son of God. And yet, just moments later, When Jesus says he's going to go to the cross and suffer and die for people, Peter says, oh, no, it shall never be. I forbid it. (laughs) After his confession that he's the son of God, he goes, no, you're not going to do that. Which Jesus replies, get behind me, Satan. I must do the will of God. You see, even with his bold confession, Peter later on says, no, I'm going to stop God from doing what he was set out to do. I don't know about you, but I do that a lot. I say, Lord, take control of this situation. I trust in you. And then 10 minutes later, I'm sitting up going, I can't, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to have to figure this one out. I'm going to have to put my thumb on the scale. Ever happened to you? Now I'm the only one. I'm the only one. No, I I joke. We all are part of that. We all want to leave it to God. If only we could. But we just got to get in there. It's not that we don't trust God. It's just that we want it to happen in our own time. We want it done a certain way. Peter learned a lesson, but he was treated as something else, him and James and John. From get behind me, Satan, now Jesus says to them, come up to me and let's go up that holy mountain. And there you're going to be a witness to something that will leave you speechless. And there God transfigures and transforms the living Christ into something that they've never seen, the glory of God before them. The language just can't do it justice. They are treated to that. Why? 
so that they will have confidence when they come down that mountain and they travel with Jesus to the cross, that they will be sustained for that trip to Calvary? I believe so. The Word of God tells us there was a method to what God was doing and why he treated Peter, James, and John. In particular, we don't know, but he chose them to be the eyewitness accounts so that they could leave for us a record of what they witnessed. But I think, really, what, what, what God has given for us today is the understanding of who Jesus is. We were meant, you were meant, to read about the transfiguration account. We should always hold up before us the transfiguration. When we think we must take control of the situation, we remember the transfiguration, the glory of God resting on Jesus, that he is almighty, the Shekinah glory of the Old Testament. When we think that God has forgotten us, we remember not just the cross of Calvary, but the glory of God going to the cross. That's what's incredible about this story. It's that Jesus himself, the Son of God, goes to the cross. When you look at the cross, think of the transfiguration. When you walk into service during the Lenten season and you hear the words of Jesus himself, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think of the transfiguration. When you think that you are alone and God doesn't hear you, think of the transfiguration. The almighty glory of God resting in you. When you see a baptism, Think of the transfiguration. The young child receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and how God rests in him or her. When you receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, think of the transfiguration. God himself sacrificing his son that we may live, that we may have life, that we may know forgiveness and grace. You go out into this world and you are so confused about what you hear or see or witness. Think of the transfiguration. That God comes to you and brings you out of a hopelessness into a world of hope. And it's not based on how you feel, what somebody says to you, but what God has done for you. Embrace the transfiguration as we enter into Lent. Walk with the risen Lord. Sing the alleluias in your heart, even though you don't feel like it. The Holy Spirit will move you to speak those words, to praise him. It's the gift of what God gives us and the glory of God and his great sacrifice and his great love. Joyful are you because you have the God of Israel as your helper, your hope, is in the Lord your God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.